Welcome to Fet Unlocked, a relationship, kink, BDSM, and leather podcast where we, your hosts, unlock Fet for you, discussing everything from communication and consent to exploring the most tantalizing aspects of this captivating lifestyle. For all you kinky fuckers out there. So I'm your host, Akasha, and today we have an exciting episode lined up for you. Exploring the BDSM lifestyle, an adventure into pleasure and consent. Today we'll be referencing some incredible BDSM books that provide valuable insights into the lifestyle. These books offer guidance, inspiration, and thought-provoking perspectives. So if you've ever been curious about exploring BDSM or want to enhance your knowledge and understanding, this episode is for you. Let's start by discussing the book Playing Well With Others. This enlightening guide, written by Melina Williams-Haas and Lee Harrington, takes readers on a journey through the social aspects of BDSM. It emphasizes the significance of communication, boundaries, and building a supportive community within the BDSM world. Playing Well With Others is an absolutely just excellent resource for newcomers and experienced practitioners alike. It delves into the importance of negotiation, consent, and establishing trust with your partners or playmates. The authors share personal stories and provide practical tips to navigating the complexities of BDSM relationships. So in my book club, Akasha's Literary Salon, I actually did an entire hour's worth of research in order to present on playing well with others and I deeply, deeply enjoyed it. One of the first questions that came up when we as a full book club were reading that book was, what is kink? So I use this app where I'm able to get blind answers in from the audience and I kind of cobble them together or we talk about them. Um, Either way, it really inspires a lot of participation from the audience. So some of the, you know, some of the, I'd say, definitions that we came up with were just awesome. And I'll synthesize them and kind of give you uh, what we came up with that night. So, kink is a term used to describe a range of alternative sexual interests, preferences, and activities that fall outside of what is considered mainstream or typical. 
if you have issues with whether either of those words are problematic, please let me know after the show. So it refers to practices that involve consensual exploration of various fetishes, BDSM, that being bondage and discipline, domination and submission, and sadism and masochism, role-playing, or other unconventional sexual behaviors. It's important to note that engaging in kink activities should always, always inform, in, involve enthusiastic and informed consent, respect, and safety for all participants involved. So that was kind of what we came up with. Then another question that came up was, what myths about kink have you heard? So some of the myths that we, you know, shared in that time, and I have received permission to share this a little bit more widely, and that particular um, presentation has also been recorded as I did that presentation for Black Rose. So some common myths. Kink is always about pain or violence. No. (laughs) While pain or power dynamics fueled by pain can be elements of some kink practices, it's important to remember that people engage in kink for various reasons, including exploration, pleasure, connection, Kink encompasses a wide range of activities and can involve bondage, whether that be rope bondage, saran wrap bondage, leather bondage, chain bondage, etc., role playing, sensory play, and more. For some people, their kink looks like being blindfolded and getting tickled with a feather. Who am I to say that's not kinky compared to the bottom who's getting sliced open like like a, 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 a some kind of livestock animal going to the the slaughter let's say um so kink is always related to trauma or abuse that's another myth engaging in kink does not imply a history of trauma or abuse kink is consensual and often involves negotiation communication, and trust between all participating individuals. People explore kink for different reasons, including personal fulfillment, self-discovery, and enhancing their relationships. And I can personally speak to each of those being incredibly salient, incredibly relevant in my personal BDSM relationships. I feel deeply personally fulfilled by my BDSM relationships. I feel deeply personally fulfilled by the self-discovery that I've been able to access and achieve through BDSM. And my relationships have often gotten deeper, broader, wider, and so much more intimate while exploring BDSM with um, the partners in question. Another myth, kink is a psychiatric disorder. Kink itself is not classified as a disorder by the American Psychiatric Association. It's important to differentiate between healthy and consensual kink practices and any potential mental health concerns that may be present in an individual's life. Especially given that, unfortunately, with fat and munches and other routes that we might take 
in order to meet either play partners or longer term BDSM partners, there will be those bad actors who use the power exchange and authority transfer aspects of BDSM to essentially um, to essentially hide the fact that they're simply abusive pieces of shit. And that's not to say that someone can't be truly kinky and abusive at the same time. Uh, This is probably a a topic for a whole other episode. But if you do have any questions like, you know, we don't use safe words, but the safe signal that I used was ignored. Was this a boundary violation? That kind of thing. Do not hesitate to reach out to me, please. Now, another myth that we came up with, kink is non-consensual. This is a very deep and very damaging misconception. Consent, enthusiastic, ongoing consent is the cornerstone of any healthy kink dynamic. Engaging in kink requires enthusiastic and ongoing consent from all parties involved. And here I say, remember that tops and doms can safe word too. They can withdraw consent at any time as well, as long as the bottom or sub is in a safe place physically, you know, obviously saying red, while someone is hoisted in the air in a single momo might not be the best time to call red. However, it is important to respect the no's, the reds, and other safe signals or safe words of either the top or the bottom. Open communication, negotiation, and establishing boundaries are integral parts of ethical kink practice. Another myth that we came up with is kink always involves extremes. I talked about this a little bit earlier with the blood play versus the feather. While some kink practices might involve intensity or unconventional practices and activities, not all kink dynamics are extreme. Kink can be tailored to the desires, the boundaries, and the comfort levels of the individuals involved, allowing for a wide spectrum of experiences and preferences. It is crucial to approach discussions about kink with an open mind, respect for others, and a commitment to understanding. If you have any specific questions or concerns, please feel free to reach out to us. My email is a-K-A-S-H-I-C-E-D-E-N at gmail.com. One of the reasons why I teach meditative rope is really encapsulated by the book Rope, Bondage, and Power, issue editor Lee Harrington and series editor 
Robert Rubel PhD. I just call him Dr. Bob and I just call him Lee, but <laughs> um, this is a book that has really, really been one of the cornerstones of my exploration of spiritual BDSM. Using rope in and of itself as a modality that is spiritual in order to either create the experience that I'm looking for as a bottom or to create the experience that my bottom is looking for as a top. So the essays in this book really focus on that captivating art and on the incredible exchange of energy that exists between the rope, the top, and the bottom. This book explores the intersection of power dynamics and physical restraint, offering not just the emotional connection that can be achieved through this intimate form of play, but the physical giving and taking of rope and how that can create intimacy, passion, meditation, healing, creativity, fun, trust, control, more passion, body knowledge, exercise, skill growth, and more fun. And um, this one particular essay, The Giving and Taking of Rope by Tonebi, um, I'm just going to read a very short excerpt uh, from this particular piece. There are two sides to rope bondage, the giving and the taking. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom, giving up control and the top then taking the control that is offered. I'm talking about the giving or non-resistance is where the bottom offers or gives themselves the top. They actively or passively assist the top as they are being tied up. The taking or resistance is where the bottom fights against being tied up to some level. Now, just to be clear, in some situations, it is the bottom's final goal to be tied up and the top's obje objective to tie the bottom up. However, there are different paths available to get there, and sometimes those paths cross or run parallel to one another. So this is what I was talking about when I mentioned the fact that as a bottom, no matter what my top is doing, there's a certain amount of internal work that I can do to create the experience that I'm looking for so that I can create the energetic and spiritual tableau that I'm looking for so that I can have the kind of scene that I want through us together working to create the physical shapes that I was looking for or that my top was looking for while also being the arbiter and being in charge in a, in a way of my mental and emotional state. And that's one thing that I find so, so fascinating about rope play. So rope bondage and power is really just a comprehensive guide that not only teaches different spiritual rope techniques, but also emphasizes the importance of consent checking in with your partner, and maintaining proper safety measures. 
It encourages people to explore their creativity while always prioritizing the well-being and comfort of both participants. Now, let's move on to safe, sexy, and consensual. Creating Magic in the Dungeon. This is by Dr. Robert Rubel and the goddess Indigo, two of my favorite people. And I'm looking forward to seeing them at South Queen's Leatherfest. <laughs> so, Safe, Sexy, and Consensual takes readers on a deep dive into understanding the motivations, desires, and psychological dynamics that underpin BDSM play. Rubel and Goddess Indigo both stress the importance of consent, negotiation, and shared responsibility. The book also touches on specific topics like aftercare, exploring fantasies, and the concept of subspace, which is an incredible state of altered consciousness which some submissives experience. Now, a note to that, dominance and masters often experience an altered state of consciousness as well, but in popular, not necessarily mainstream, but in popular BDSM culture, subspace or submissive space is generally what's focused on. And uh, in this book, it's focused on uh, a little heavily as well. So as we know, BDSM is a world where intense pleasure is cultivated through careful consideration and communication. This book beautifully captures the essence of BDSM and provides valuable guidance to both beginners and experienced individuals. In Safe, Sexy, and Consensual, the book sets the stage by introducing BDSM, that is bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, and sadism and masochism. It explores different aspects of BDSM, explaining the importance of consent, communication, and safety within this practice. Both authors emphasize the focus on trust and respect between partners as well as the as well as the importance of negotiation and establishing boundaries. From there, Goddess Indigo and Dr. Bob delve deeper into the dynamics of BDSM relationships. They explain the roles of dominance, submissives, and switches, providing insights into the responsibilities and expectations associated with each role. The chapter emphasizes the role of consent and the necessity of ongoing communication to ensure the well-being and happiness of all involved parties. The art of negotiation, right? That is one of the most important skills only behind what we'd call consent, only behind what we would call safety. But negotiation is the next most important 
thing that we need to look at when we're looking into BDSM and the practice of BDSM. This book emphasizes the role of consent and the necessity of ongoing communication to ensure the well-being and happiness of all involved parties. few words on negotiation from the piece itself. The word negotiate has multiple meanings. In one sense, it means to find a way over or through, such as an obstacle or a difficult path. This idea permeates how we look at scene negotiations. Many people look at negotiation as a chore. They see it as a kind of tedious but necessary exchange they must go through to get to the really fun things like play. We submit to you that scene negotiation is yummy stuff. This is when you get to pull all your ingredients together that will make scene magic. You establish your connection, trust, and yes, limit. Now, I'll stop here because what I heard was so important. When you're negotiating with a potential play partner or with a current partner of yours, you are not just looking at hard limits and soft limits. It's not that formulaic. What this book posits, what safe, sexy, and consensual posits is that there's also a process by which you are building connection and trust during the negotiation process. Connection and trust. This is also a point that I would note that Midori has spoken about both in person and in her writings at length. It is very important to realize and understand that negotiation can be fun, it can be sexy, of course it can and should be formulaic because that maintains safety and consent, but it can also be sexy and it can also, it can also foster connection and trust. Now, if I walk up to you and I say, what are your hard and soft limits versus What is it that makes you tick? What is it that makes you jump for joy? What is it that makes you melt inside? And what is it that takes you aback? Maybe in a good way, maybe in a bad way. What scares you? What makes you happy? What makes you happy down there? There are so many different kinds of questions that you can ask that will get the job done as it pertains to negotiation, but will also foster connection and trust. So, the dungeon as a sacred space. This is where the authors explore the significance of the BDSM dungeon as a sacred and safe space for those engaging 
in this lifestyle. This piece delves into the importance of creating an environment that facilitates personal growth, transformation, and exploration of desires. The authors provide tips on designing and maintaining a dungeon, ensuring it meets safety standards and offers comfort to all participants. And can we just say, safety first. Safety first. Safety is paramount in BDSM, and this piece focuses on creating a safe environment for all involved. The authors discuss the essentials of safety measures, including the use of safe words, the importance of consent, and practicing aftercare. They also provide an introduction to essential safety equipment. Those could be restraints, those could be impact play tools, and we're also looking at hygiene practices as well. That would be in the table of contents where it says some advanced aspects of scening. And now let's talk a little bit about the power of dominance and submission. Delving into the power dynamics within which dominance and submission DS relationships operate and thrive. This is where the responsibilities of dominance and submissives, including care, trust, and nurturing, are explored. This piece also explores different forms of submission, different forms of power exchange dynamics, and the importance of ongoing negotiation and consent within these relationships. I think you'll have fun with this next one. The realms of sadism and masochism, S&M, which focus on the pleasures derived from pain and sensation play. Here the authors discuss various tools and techniques for impact play like spanking, flogging, sensation play through wax or ice. Throughout this piece, the authors emphasize the importance of communication, consent, and safety when engaging in S&M practices. I myself am a rope bunny. I love being tied up. I love feeling restrained. I love knowing that there's no way I can get out. And I love the intimacy of a beautiful harness being placed upon me rope by rope as I wait for the finished product, as I enjoy the journey on the way to the finished product. Those are the things that I love about rope. And then being in the air is an incomparable experience. But let's think about the thrills of sadism and masochism. And for instance, how we can start a scene with ceremony. So in Safe, Sexy, and Consensual, there's actually a sample opening ritual, which I'll read to you here. 
sub, before we begin, I want to remind you that if you need some time to process the intense sensations we will experience, you are to use the safe word yellow. Use red if the sensations become too much and you want me to stop. Do you understand and agree? As the authors say, and as I quote, these statements establish the top's knowledge, authority, responsibility, and trustworthiness. These are important words to use to establish the serious tone before continuing with the next series of phrasing. This wording also helps give the bottom permission to read out of a scene without feeling guilty. If sub merely says yes, the dom may use a dominance reinforcing phrase such as sub, that would be yes ma'am, to which he then replies yes ma'am. The dom continues, sub, during our scene, I am going to be in charge of your body in the ways we agreed. You are now under my authority and control. Do you understand and agree? Again, sub either says yes, ma'am, or is admonished to do so, perhaps in a sterner voice. There's more to this ritual, but I think you've gotten the point of it. Again, these are the thrills of power exchange. I can only imagine how that submissive feels. I can only imagine how that dom feels. But in both cases, the participants in the scene are getting what they want out of that scene. They are communicating. There is enthusiastic and clear consent. And simply so sexy. <laughs> that I didn't want to mention that part, but that's, you know, is just really, really. And I'm also imagining Goddess Indigo's voice saying all of this. And woo! Anyway, um, I've gotten off track thinking about Goddess Indigo. Um, I'm going to stop fangirling. Um, hopefully she doesn't hear this before, um, South Plains Leatherfest, but if she does, I love you, Goddess Indigo. Hi. <laughs> so, yes. And so next, beyond the dungeon, BDSM in everyday life. So this is a point where we start thinking about closing scene rituals we start thinking about what skill mastery and safety looks like we start thinking about what bdsm looks like outside of the moment of the scene so what are some post scene realities right how can we on one hand make bdsm extend beyond the dungeon and be integrated into everyday life and on the other hand, how can we make sure that top drop and sub drop are taken care of, are expressed to the 
respective play partner to the respective participant who can do something about it. So the authors discuss the importance of ongoing communication between partners. And listen, you and your participant, your play partner, your partner, you can and should have a before play, during play, and after play plan. There are lots of, you know, really easy one-pagers, or you can create a little one-pager yourself, where it's like, I expect this kind of aftercare, this is the kind of aftercare I want, this is the kind of aftercare I'm okay with, this is the kind of aftercare I'd like if there's a yellow or a red, and the top can and should submit the exact kind of one-pager, because we also need um, aftercare. Tops and doms also need aftercare. I'm going to just say we very liberally because I am a switch. So I'll either be topping or bottoming. But this book discusses the importance of that ongoing communication outside of the scene, outside of the dungeon. And making sure that boundaries are maintained. And making sure that power dynamics are being negotiated either inside or outside of explicit scenes and what that looks like. This piece provides advice on incorporating BDSM practices into daily routines, which ensures that relationships remain healthy and fulfilling. So then we're looking at daily, weekly, monthly check-ins. Then we're looking at opening and closing rituals. Then we're looking at daily rituals. Then we're looking at weekly rituals. So by providing a comprehensive overview of BDSM practices, emphasizing consent, safety, and respect, safe, sexy, and consensual creating magic in the dungeon by Goddess Indigo and Dr. Rubel offers readers the knowledge and tools to engage in BDSM not just at a core physical level, but in a consensual act of what we could even call magic for those who are spiritual. It empowers individuals to explore their desires, communicate effectively, and build relationships built on trust and mutual understanding. And here you have it. That's why I'm such a dork. Books like this are why I'm such a dork. Books like Rope Bondage and Power by Lee Harrington and Dr. Bob are why I'm such an absolute dork. You know, Books like Playing Well with Others, A Field Guide, are why I'm such a dork. So thank you, Melina. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Dr. Bob. And thank you, Goddess Indigo, so much. This is Akasha signing off. And please, to all of you who have the opportunity, go get fucked.